Hello and welcome to Photographic Connections, the podcast where we create connection to self, nature and others through the art of photography. My name is Kim Grant, the founder of Photographic Connections and your host for this podcast. And today I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Courtney Victoria onto the podcast. Courtney is a British landscape photographer, well known for her engaging YouTube channel. We speak about how creating YouTube videos has allowed her, as an introvert, to be her true, authentic self. How living in South Korea for four years helped her develop a connection to the landscape and how embarking on her own spiritual journey has enabled her to see beauty in even the smallest of things. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Courtney Victoria. Hi Courtney, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast this week. It's really exciting to connect with you being a fellow nature photographer and a fellow YouTube photographer as well. To, to be able to speak with you is is wonderful and a number of our listeners have requested you as a guest as well. So I'm sure they're super excited to, to hearing more from you. So before we delve into your current photography and your YouTube channel and everything else, I wondered if you could go way back to the beginning and explain your journey into the world of photography. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on today. It's a bit bizarre to hear that people are requesting me on <laughs> podcasts and things, but um, it's absolutely wonderful. And the support that I receive for my photography is absolutely incredible. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, well, I didn't get into photography until I was at university. So sort of my late teens, early 20s. And I didn't really sort of start taking it seriously until sort of my mid to late 20s. So um, I've always been a really creative person. And so through school and high school, I've always been looking for that one medium in order to channel my, my creativity that felt right. So I tried drawing, I tried painting, um, I dived into theatre, which I was not very good at acting <laughs> at all. Um, I didn't have the confidence for that, but I thought I'd give it a go anyway. Um, I went into textiles and um, I wanted to be a costume designer. That's sort of what I set my heart on, what I thought was my life passion. So I, I tried a lot of different things. And then when I got to university, it was, um, I ended up doing a joint honours of sonography, theatre design, design and fine art, which was it's quite a mouthful to sort of say that. And it was a lot of work. But um, yeah, I wanted to do the costume design and I wanted to keep drawing and painting on top of that as well. So I kept on with the fine art. And it was my first term of uh, university that I was introduced to film photography. And I remember being really excited about it, thinking, wow, this is something that I've never tried before. This, this could be really interesting and fun. And then that followed very quickly by absolute panic thinking I've never picked up a camera before, I don't know how to use a camera, I don't own a camera, oh my gosh, this could go absolutely horrific. And luckily half of the class had cameras, so we all sort of buddied up and sort of went and took some photos. And the initial class was more about learning how to develop negatives and, and create images. So it was more about the process rather than the actual physical result, you know, was your image good or not? And most of our images were absolutely terrible. So it was okay, we we're all sort of in the same boat. But I remember just falling completely in love with the process and just sort of being able to 
see in an image that I had taken sort of come to life as it was sort of swishing around all the uh, chemicals and then sort of being able to hold it afterwards. And uh, no matter how bad the, the <laughs> image actually was. And I remember thinking, yeah, this is something that is going to be a big part of my life at some point. This is something that I really want to go into and explore and learn about. And, you know, I want to get better at this. I want to know more about it. And so, yeah, it sort of started from there. I experimented with photographing different types of subjects. And funnily enough, landscape photography was the the subject and genre that I hated right off the bat. And I didn't have the patience for it. I think that was the problem. I didn't know how to approach it. didn't have the patience for it. I was a very impatient student, I think. So I sort of experimented more with portraiture and buildings and architecture and that sort of thing. And um, yeah, photography was mainly a hobby for a few years after I graduated university. And um, it was sort of a period of my life where I struggled with some mental health issues. So a lot of my hobbies and things sort of took the back seat for a while. And I ended up moving out to South Korea in 2016. Sort of, I wanted a restart in life, sort of a refresh. And I thought, yep, moving abroad is the way to do that. So I moved out to South Korea with a teaching qualification and I went to teach English as a second language and I did that for four years and it was sort of halfway through sort of two years in that I started to really pick my camera back up again and uh, found myself getting into landscape photography and that was purely through just exploring South Korea and the South Korean landscape it's absolutely beautiful it's a very mountainous country a lot of mountains and national parks and uh, there's quite a big hiking culture there so and Korean people love nature they're always always outdoors even in the cities the cities are very um a lot of parks national parks you can find nature absolutely anywhere no matter where in the country you are so I found myself in sort of accidentally doing landscape photography and then it just sort of snowballed from there <laughs> that's amazing what a journey you've been on and i love how creativity has played a really deep part in so much of that and you've clearly spent time exploring yourself and trying to work out exactly what your creative outlet is how did you feel when you began photography in relation to all these other creative pursuits that you tried? Because it was almost like there was just this light bulb moment for you where you were just like, wow, this is this is the thing. Yes, um, it definitely was a light bulb moment. And when I look back now, I think it feels a rather bizarre, I think I've made a few bizarre choices. So I ended up majoring in photography um, by the end of university and dropping the scenography and theatre design which now I look back on it was a strange choice career-wise because I had way much more knowledge and skill in costume and theatre design than I did photography so it probably would have been easier for me to go into that sort of career and you know but I it felt right to take the photography journey instead and um yeah it's it just felt right and I felt like okay yeah this is something that I can dedicate myself to something that I can take time to learn and grow in and I wasn't particularly frustrated that I wasn't great to start off with a lot of with when it comes to drawings and painting I'd always get very frustrated that I wasn't good straight away or <laughs> I wanted you know 
the the great outcome instantly and so I didn't quite enjoy the process of of those mediums as much as I found that I enjoyed the the photography process so yeah just felt right and we've kept with it since <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad you have because it's amazing what you've you've gone on to to do with your your passion for photography and I think there's a, a really good almost lesson in there maybe for people it's about this idea of experimentation you know you said there with your photography you didn't mind in the beginning that it wasn't that great you know but you love the experimentation process and I think that's maybe something people struggle with a bit is this idea that they can take images that aren't particularly great and and be okay with it but you were clearly okay with that and you love that experimentation. Absolutely yeah and I think my fine art background has possibly helped with that because I studied art history, painting, techniques. A lot of my um, fine art degree was based more on, it's sort of process-based and focused on rather than the result, the experimentation and that sort of thing. So it taught me to, it taught me to be deliberate in my work, but also to understand that things are interpreted very differently from person to person, from artist to artist, from photographer, from photographer so I think if I I mean I still find this today if I think one of my images is is bad it's not that great you know it's all right I'm not too fond of it if I show it to somebody else they'll love it and I think okay I don't see it but that's great or I could have an image that I think is absolutely fantastic but I'll show it to somebody and they'll be like no it's it's all right I tend to show my images to my sister because she'll be brutally honest Uh, in her opinion she won't hold back and I find it interesting because we all perceive things very differently so you know what I think is good somebody else might think is bad what I think is bad somebody else thinks is good so you know art is very subjective and so it doesn't upset me too much if things aren't right or you know people don't enjoy my work or I feel like I've not done my best um you know I've had I've had fun along the way as well doing it and you you learn from your mistakes as well it's you know it's a long journey of learning and growth in photography (laughs) as I'm sure we're all learning (laughs) yeah and actually the joy comes from the journey I think as much as the the end result and getting those images is absolutely amazing it feels great but the process before that is just absolutely fantastic and fun to go through Mm. it's really good I think to share that the the journey the journey is the most important thing isn't it it's it's this this process of us going through of learning of evolving of developing not just as a photographer and an artist but also as, as a human being and as we develop our work changes over time and I really find it inspirational that you've been okay almost since the beginning with people maybe not liking your work because that's definitely something I struggle with in the past was putting images or videos out there and then getting criticism from one place or the other about imagery but it's almost like like you mentioned there imagery is so subjective so you know somebody may criticize a photograph and somebody else may absolutely love it and have you found I guess then transitioning into the world of YouTube has that really helped you to put yourself out there not having so much of that fear and just being able to be truly yourself? Yes, um, YouTube has definitely become my little safe space, I think, for me to just be myself and do what it is that I want to do. And 
I think the support that I have received so far has been very encouraging and it has definitely given me a lot of confidence to keep doing that and keep experimenting and, and show the things that maybe don't go well as the things that do go well. And it's it's been very interesting. Um, I'd say since I started focusing on photography videos on my channel, um, I've been sort of at the same time going through my own sort of personal journey as well off camera. And so um, I thought it was quite interesting. I saw a comment once of somebody who said, um, I really like Courtney and the way that she presents, but her images are quite average, you know? And, and I remember thinking, looking at that comment and thinking, yeah, okay, I can accept that you think my images are average, but I'm glad that you like me. <laughs> and I think I'm more upset if people don't like me as a person or attack me as a person. You can hate my photography, that's absolutely fine. Um, but as I'm sort of going through this personal journey and sort of exposing myself on YouTube, and it's quite a scary thing to do, you're really just putting yourself out there um, for people to, you know, people can either love you, they can critique you, they can hate you, you know, they can make their own mind and opinions of you. And um, I find that scarier than <laughs> sort of people criticizing my work and my photography, which is probably says more about my confidence in myself than <laughs> anything else. <laughs> I think it's natural though, isn't it? From a psychological perspective, there's a part of us that, that all wants to be liked, you know. We don't we really struggle if somebody dislikes us, so it makes total sense what, what you said there. Uh, what made you want to start a YouTube channel in the first place? So I started my YouTube channel when I was in South Korea and originally I don't know what what the what the idea was or what sort of got me into video but all of a sudden one day I had this idea of I want to make videos about living in rural South Korea so I lived in the most rural province down south in South Korea called Cheonnamdo and when I moved out there there was no information on the towns down there and that province so when I moved over there and uh, began working and living there it was sort of like walking in blind had no information, didn't know what I was getting into. I was just sort of dropped in a, a rural countryside Korean town and sort of was like, there, there you go, bye. <laughs> just learn, figure it out. And so I realized um, teachers tend to have yearly contracts out there. So you find that some people stay out there for numerous years. Others will do a year and then sort of move on or go back home. So every year we had sort of a new influx of teachers. Some would leave, some would, some would arrive. And we all... We're in the same boat we didn't didn't know anything we didn't know what to do with ourselves you know didn't ha didn't know how things worked so i decided to start making videos with my experience and the knowledge that i had gained so that new arrivals would have something to watch or read and uh be able to arrive in the country feeling a little more confident <laughs> about what was about to happen so it started off just by making videos about rural South Korea. So, you know, going to the supermarket, the type of place that you might live in, um, sort of tours around where I lived. And yeah, I found that I really, really enjoyed the video creation process. I absolutely loved it. I, you know, went to work in the week and then at the weekend I just sat and edited and, and filmed and really, really enjoyed it. And so when the pandemic hit, and uh, I was sort of forced to leave my teaching job and come back to the UK. I had this moment where I thought, well, I can't make videos about South Korea anymore because <laughs> I won't be living there. So I thought, well, perhaps I can put my passion of video and passion of photography together and 
um, do that instead. And I think it, that was around the time that I was aware of other photographers on YouTube. Um, I think Thomas Heaton was probably the first YouTube photographer that I came across by accident. And I thought, oh, this is a thing. I've never seen this before. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, this, this looks cool. I could try this. Um, so yeah, that was that was it. Brilliant. Oh, I love that how just almost straight away just creating the videos again it was like almost like another light bulb moment wasn't it we had that with photography and then you start making video and it's like wow and then being able to bring both of those together and you can really sense in your videos the the enjoyment you get out of not just filming them but also editing them you know you put so much thought into your videos I mean I just I don't know when I'm out there I'm just wanting to kind of connect and and feel things and then I just start speaking and sometimes I'm thinking about b-roll but what I love about your videos is you go through every single step you're you're videoing you know you're putting your camera on you're putting your filters on you're twisting things you're speaking over everything and it's just such a almost meticulous process but so well thought out so how, how does your video process go you know do you go out with preconceived ideas of what you're going to create or is it just oh this is what I'm seeing and then you kind of go through the steps chronologically um I think it's a it's a mixture of both really um yeah I think it's it's difficult because you with YouTube if you're sort of taking it semi-seriously and you want to grow a channel, you sort of have to look at it in two different ways. You've got sort of playing the YouTube game and then you've got, you know, doing your own thing, making your videos, being creative, putting yourself in them. And so, um, yeah, it's a bit of both. What I tend to do is I, I brainstorm ideas of videos that were maybe topics that I want to talk about if, if I want to go sort of down that route. Um, so I'll come up with maybe thumbnail ideas or title title ideas and then sort of have a vague idea of, okay, I want to do it in a woodland setting or I want to go and do landscape for this. But when it comes down to actually filming, a lot of the time, if you, I mean, we find this in photography, you can plan something down to the, you know, the smallest detail and it will never go to plan. It will never go as you want it to. So a lot of the time, if I have a plan, it ends up being completely changed by the end of the video or, you know, as I go, I've got to, you know, adapt it and be flexible. So I like going into a project or a video with an idea um, if I can, but there are times where something will happen and I just sort of roll with it and then I allow it to be completely spontaneous and whatever whatever happens is whatever happens. And I think a lot of my audience or people who talk to me about my videos will say that they enjoy just coming along the journey and sort of whatever I experience on location, they get to experience as well. So um, I think to begin with, I try to plan everything um, as much as possible. And I've, I've learned over time just to allow things to happen and just let it flow. Um, and the videos just feel much more comfortable and fun to make as well you, you never know what's going to happen in nature <laughs> very true um, very true and it's not just that with you I think one thing that's almost given you a trademark is your love for dance and music so where did you dancing in, in the woodland and in your car and stuff where did all that begin it's I, I have no idea <laughs> if I'm honest I've always done it just 
in general in my life and you know I pop to the supermarket hear a good song on have a bit of a you know down the aisle um again I've got a sister she's a few years younger and uh she does the same thing and us two in a room together a dance is going to happen at some point just because we can and um so I think that sort of goes back to my YouTube channel being my safe space and allowing sort of me to be me on camera. I'm a very shy <laughs> and introverted person. And so throughout my life, I've sort of, I'm sure a lot of other people um, feel this as well. I've always struggled to sort of be myself with lots of people or large groups of people. Um, so if you ever meet me in real life, I'm very socially awkward and I'm quiet uh, until I sort of really know you. But on my YouTube channel, I can just be me because it's just me in front of the camera and there's no one else around. So I feel like I can do my odd quirky things like dancing or whatever, um, wherever I am. And yeah, the forest is the best place to go for a dance. I highly recommend it. It's very freeing just to sort of let loose. And I mean, I do also recommend that you check that nobody else is around first, um, especially if you're wearing headphones, because you are just silently sort of wavering around, which does look really bizarre. But I highly recommend it. Very freeing, very fun. <laughs> I love that because it's it's just you, you know, like you said there, it's your safe space. It's allowing you to be you. And I've spoken to a number of people now that, that do YouTube and this is becoming a common theme. It's so many people on YouTube are introverts and people would think it would be the complete opposite. They think, oh, you know, you're loud and you're out there and, you know, you're put because you're putting yourself out there. But the vast majority of people are really shy introverts and it's almost like putting yourself on YouTube it gives yourself a voice it, it gives you connection with people who also are interested in what you're interested in and sometimes we don't maybe feel that in our in our personal lives and it's like suddenly we it's like it's, you don't have that instant feedback that you would get if you were out with somebody or speaking with somebody. It's like you can truly be yourself. You're out there alone and then you create this video that's putting all of you into it and then posting yourself. It's it's a beautiful process and I love that you do it in such an authentic way. Thank you. <laughs> that's very kind. So I was thinking like with regards to what you were speaking about earlier, you said when you began photography and you were doing the film photography when you were studying that landscape photography didn't interest you at all. And of course, South Korea was able to, to bring that passion to you. But where did, did, did you have a connection with landscapes and nature growing up? Yes, um, I did. I spent my childhood either reading or outdoors and... Um, so yeah, and I've pretty much lived in um, sort of small towns or the countryside. And uh, we've, I've not really lived in huge cities sort of most of my life. So uh, I've always been outdoors, running around as a kid, uh, climbing trees. You know, I love, I always loved being in woodland. And I think um, when I lived in South Korea, as I say, South Korea is a absolutely beautiful very mountainous country but the one thing I missed the most was British woodlands and so when I came back I was straight into the woodlands and the forest and I haven't left since it's practically my second home now um so yeah I've always had that connection of being outdoors and and loving nature and I think it's quite sad because I sort of lost touch with that as I went through high school and college. I think a lot of us do. You sort of lose that like childhood innocence and curiosity that you have as you get serious about jobs and exams and that sort of thing. Like 
becoming an adult and having to do adult things. So I think South Korea definitely brought that back to life for me. As I said, I would go hiking. The hiking trails there are absolutely fantastic. And what I love is that in their landscape, you've got, it's very, you've got a lot of culture and history in their landscapes as well. So you go to a national park and it's absolutely beautiful lakes and, and trails and mountain ridges, but you'll have uh, temples and sort of historical traditional buildings dotted around as well which was really interesting to to explore and to photograph so yeah South Korea got me back outdoors and enjoying nature again and a lot of my co-workers would always joke you know oh you're never at home you're always somewhere you know work would finish on a Friday afternoon and that's it I'd be off for the weekend <laughs> going exploring somewhere as as far as I could go for the weekend before back into work for Monday morning and yeah so when I realized that I had to leave South Korea I made a promise to myself that when I came back to England I would explore the British landscape with the same sort of awe and curiosity and excitement that I had been exploring South Korea with and it was difficult at first because we had the pandemic and the lockdowns so we couldn't go anywhere <laughs> so that was frustrating but I think I've been doing my best to explore every inch of uh, sort of my local area since and now I'm started, starting to branch out a bit because our country is absolutely beautiful. It's very wild. It's, it's fantastic to delve into and explore and photograph. Yeah. And it's lovely that you've been able to reconnect with that love that you had for, for nature as a child. And I almost wonder, though, whether there's a correlation. You'd mentioned earlier about going through a period of, of mental health struggles. And then, you know, that was kind of one of the reasons why you almost went to, to South Korea and all that kind of began. And it's almost like you building or rebuilding that connection to nature has almost coincided with you beginning to to feel a bit better coming out of that do you have you felt that within within everything I think so yes absolutely um as I mentioned earlier I've also been going through sort of a personal journey as well alongside my photography journey and I think they do mix as well sort of connecting with nature my photography journey and sort of working on myself as a person um yeah, they're all sort of intertwined, really. And, you know, a lot of me ends up in my photography and in my videos. And yeah, I think these days, you know, um, I'd say during the pandemic, I really, I almost I call it sort of my little spiritual journey where I um, started to be kinder to myself and, and love myself and realised that I had to do things that made me feel good and feel happy. And that has definitely influenced where I go for my photography and sort of the nature I surround myself with, which is why I love being in the woodland, because it feels like sort of my little space just surrounded by trees. Um, it just feels really comfortable in like this solid sort of wall around me. And I love waterfalls. The sound of it just sort of sends me into sort of a meditative state. And I always go away feeling just very refreshed and happy and so yeah, absolutely. And I'm very happy that I picked photography back up and sort of started to include it more into my life because it's definitely 
impacted me as a person as well as my creativity and my work. I was going to ask you there why why woodlands and waterfalls but you've already you've already kind of answered that there and it's I find it interesting because a lot of photographers are very much drawn to certain subjects or certain places and it's it's beautiful because you're you can really see your connection to the woodland in your videos and you're going to many different places and sometimes returning to places and um, you know, a lot of your kind of portfolio and imagery are, are of very similar places and very similar feelings, but because you love them so much, it creates this beautiful body of work and this beautiful story of you just connecting with the places and the things and, and the subjects that, that mean so much to you. And it must be a really interesting journey now as you continue to see these woodlands and the places that you love change and evolve throughout the seasons. Absolutely. Um, I'm very excited that autumn is on its way as I have just a huge list of places to revisit and go and re-explore as as I say as the seasons change and as as nature changes you know the landscape changes as well and so I can visit this one bit of woodland at the beginning of the year and sort of take a few images but visit it at the end of the year and it can look very very different and I find that very very interesting and I I highly encourage other people to revisit locations as often as they can as because not only does it change but I think it's a great seeing exercise and it and you tend to see things that you never saw the first time you went so when it comes to the woodlands and and the forest I live very close to the forest of Dean and the forest of Dean is a very big place and so what I tend to do is sort of pick a section and then I'll explore it for weeks and weeks and weeks and just go through every little corner that I can. Because it's amazing what you can find if you just sort of go through the trees and and sort of really get in there. And then I'll sort of move on to uh, another patch of, of forest a few weeks later. And even after sort of 10 visits to the same area, I visited a spot yesterday that I've been going back to over and over again for fungi photography because it's a very mossy area there's, there's a fantastic fungi growth there and on my way back to the car I just I, I spotted a pathway that I've never seen before and I thought I've walked past this pathway probably 50 times and I thought okay I'll, I'll head down this pathway and I found a little area that I just hadn't noticed before and so you know with every visit you just see more and more and more and you know nature has a lot to offer if you just sort of stop and and look there's so much going on there certainly is and there's so much just just everywhere and I think when we we go to locations and maybe just stay there for an hour or two then move on to somewhere else you're just seeing the surface of it all I mean it's just like us humans isn't it we've got so many layers to us that we're always discovering and and uncovering and evolving in and it's the same with nature you know every day you can go to the same location and, and see something different and that's something I'm trying to do this week. I'm trying to get up early every day and go down to my local pond. You know, it's somewhere that I, I walk regularly, but I've never done photography there. And I'm intentionally going there every morning with my camera just to see, can I connect with it in a new way? And what does doing that make me start to see there? And it was amazing, actually, just the, the little things that you would normally walk by. I'm starting to be like, wow, I didn't think... I always feel, I always know there's opportunities everywhere, but I never saw it as a a really photogenic place. And now I'm just like, oh my gosh, there is so much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. And 
I think when it comes to sharing your images as well, a lot of us ignore our local areas because we think, well, I see this every day or, you know, often other people around who also live locally see this every day when they walk their dogs or go for walks. You know, people won't find this interesting. But actually, as you said, when you really look at a space, the more you visit it and the more you look at it, the more you see. And even the tiniest blade of grass can be absolutely amazing and have you know a story in there but also as I mean we're sharing our work on on YouTube and the internet as well there are people across the world that have never seen that space before and they don't know what it looks like and so your interpretation of the space what you feel there what you capture there can be absolutely amazing and mind-blowing to somebody else so that's why I don't ever disregard my local area that's a very good way of viewing it 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 certainly is and I think like you mentioned a minute ago about you know even a blade of grass can be almost like mind-blowing and that's one thing I'm trying to 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 say a lot now on on my channel is it doesn't matter where you live even if you've not got that much nature around you a lot of people will have a field or a grassy area and you might think, oh, it's just a field of grass. But if you lie on that grass and really connect with it, you begin to see the world in a whole new way. And it opens up so many opportunities. And one of my favourite exercises now is just to sit in one spot for like half an hour and photograph whatever comes into it or whatever you start seeing. Because until you actually stop, it's so difficult, isn't it, to to really connect. And you miss so much if you don't just stop. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I started um, getting more into macro photography. Uh, which has helped me start to look at the sort of the smaller parts of forests and the woodland and sort of realise how much is going on. And funnily enough, it also sort of brings the forest together for me. I, I, it's just not, it's not just a bunch of trees, <laughs> which is very easy when you sort of go into the forest to be like, oh yeah, it's just, just trees, just trees, that's it. Uh, but when you actually really sort of start to look at it and explore this there's so much going on and macro photography has definitely helped me or is helping me at the moment to sort of pick out those finer finer stories and things um but yeah when you really really take a look at things there's there's so much going on and I don't know if you find this when you're filming sometimes if you just sort of sit down and I forget to start filming because I'm just so, you know, I'm so busy just seeing what's going on and sort of getting into that that I think, oh, I'm here for a reason. Mm. Or something that happens to me is I start filming and speaking and then I'm like, oh my gosh, look at that and look at that and look yeah. at that. And I'm just like, ah, get a bit overwhelmed by it all. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny, you'd mentioned there, you know, that a woodland isn't just trees. And it, it's funny, I used to never photograph woodlands because I found them so difficult. And I was looking at photographers who were doing these beautiful images of trees, you know, like in mist or with gorgeous autumn colours and just like very simple, gorgeous images. And then I would go into the woodland and try and photograph something similar and it would be such a mess and overexposed in places and it was just horrible. And I just used to think, you know, woodland photography is so hard. But actually, when you start going under the underneath and you start going to darker areas of the woods or you start looking, like you say, there at the more macro things and the textures and the patterns. Since I moved back to where I was brought up at the start of this year and I'm just surrounded by woodlands now, I'm closer to the trees and woodlands now than I am to the coast, which was always my favourite place to photograph. Um, and I'm just so connected to woodlands now and it's it's just funny this this journey we go on it's almost like 
something that I used to think was so hard and almost impossible is now one of my favourite things to photograph. So I guess what with you, have you always noticed these smaller things or did, was your journey maybe a bit similar in the beginning you were just seeing all these trees and a bit overwhelmed? Like has it taken you time to really hone in on on the smaller aspects and start finding your your feet in the woods it has yes uh to begin with um yeah absolutely just sort of focus more on the the wider larger picture and I, I couldn't pick out these these smaller things and absolutely I mean woodlands in the UK are very wild and chaotic and messy and as you said sometimes you'll see other photographers work of trees and mist and it'll it's very it's beautiful and it's simple but works really really well and we don't tend to get misty conditions over where I live and the forestadine is quite high up so if there's any mist sort of uh, in the morning sort of low over the river it just doesn't reach the forest at all so I never get those conditions so I've had to learn to do simplify the woodland in sort of the average day-to-day conditions in cloud or in sun or sort of in the middle of the day and um it's it's been difficult it's definitely you know practice helps you just with photography any type of photography practice over and over again just get out there with your camera try things if it doesn't work it doesn't work but you know you can learn from it and and try again another day and i think i actually recently started to read a book called The Art of Noticing. I think it's by Rob Walker, which I'm possibly going to mention in a a future video at some point, but it's one that I um, recommend that people read. I mean, I haven't finished it, but already it's incredibly useful and it's sort of put into words the techniques that I use when I'm in the forest. And so it takes you through, I think it's about 130 exercises Uh, which just sort of take you through ways to be a bit more present in the day-to-day and sort of notice things that maybe you didn't notice before. And this can be useful for people who just want to be a bit more aware um, day-to-day or photographers, graphic designers, artists. And so some of the techniques are simple, you know, go into a space and pick out all the colours that you can see and just focus on colour and then try and figure out are they connected in it in any way do you is there any emotion connected to them um you know and another you know technique finds find one of something okay now find two of something find three of something and so just sort of it's almost breaking this the scene down in a fun way and that's when you start to notice things over and over again and the more you sort of practice these sort of ideas and techniques the more it sort of automatically naturally comes to you when you go into the forest and so yeah whenever I I go in I mean I tend to walk circles on location Um, I find the first time I go to a location I'm just so sort of awestruck by everything so I'll take a look around take a walk around and then I go okay right let's really sort of get in here and I'll take another walk around again and sort of pull out colours and shapes and space and and textures and that sort of thing and almost look at it in a in a different way and I find that really really helps which so I always recommend that people just slow down and take their time especially in woodland because the woodland is crazy there's so much going on you never know where to start and just slowing down and just allowing yourself to sort of take it all in and figure out okay my eye is being drawn over to here what is it about this space that is drawing me in right now and just yeah because we get impatient 
sometimes we can't help it. We just want to take a really good picture. And so we sort of run into a space and we're like, okay, that'll do, and run back out. But with woodland photography, I don't think you can do that. It's it's not that simple. And you've, I think you've got to really love the space and be comfortable in the space. I almost approach woodland photography a lot of the time in with the intention of going for a walk just with my camera in my bag and not expecting to take any photos today. I think if you're looking for something specific, you're probably not going to find it and you just completely close yourself off to everything else around you because you're so you know honed in on this one thing that you've you've missed a whole bunch of potential and ideas behind you you've walked past it so and yeah I always think you know if I'm having one of those days in the forest where I'm just not seeing anything I I say to myself you know usually I'm just not in the right headspace for it because I know that I've walked past a whole bunch of potential image in image potential and um, you know, if you're sort of not quite in the the right mind frame, then it's it's going to be a bit difficult. So I I think again it, that's where sort of photography mixes with being like a very personal aspect of the the mindset and the attitude that you take in with you is quite important. If if you're feeling really sort of down and I don't know if I can do this and that sort of thing, then you're probably not going to because you're so sort of in yourself <laughs> and you just really, yeah. But if you can go in with a childlike curiosity and sort of look at everything and I'm terrible for touching in the forest, I want to touch everything. And that's when you start to really see just the amazing world that's in there and how everything is connected and you start to sort of see it a bit differently. I think I rambled a bit there. I think we went from one thing to another. No, it's all but... good. <laughs> I can talk about good. the forest. <laughs> no, no, I love it. There was a lot of lot of interest in there, Courtney. So thank you. And the book, uh, the art of noticing that you mentioned there, is something I'm definitely gonna gonna look into to myself. It sounds wonderful, and it sounds like there's a lot of exercises in there that I think both of us already do. But to actually delve into them further and maybe add a few things to that is is quite exciting. I think one thing I just was. Th- that came to me when I was listening to you speaking there is, you know, we've referred a couple of times now to this childlike wonder and it's a lot of these exercises you were explaining, like finding colour and finding certain subjects and piecing things together. It's all things that we did as children and then of course we kind of lose that as, as we get older. And this is one thing I find comes up a lot with people I'm working with is they struggle to get back to that. And I almost, I, I love to work out what it is for each individual person, like people like yourself who have managed to get that back it's like was there an event or something you read or a situation or a moment where you just feel like you were able to get that back because that's something I think a lot of people are are looking for but they just they haven't found it yet so I just I just wonder if there was something in in your life or a moment you can think of where you just suddenly switched back into that place and it was like oh I'm seeing all this stuff now and I'm slowing down yeah, um, that's an interesting question. I don't know if there's one moment in particular. Um, again, going back to South Korea, I think exploring a new country, a new culture, um, 
I mean, everything was different there. So that definitely allowed me to see things very, very differently from the use of language to the landscape and exploring, sort of moving around the country. Everything was new and exciting and I had to figure a lot of things out. So I think that definitely um, sort of helped me pick up that curiosity and that that childlikeness. And um, I actually taught sort of what I imagine in the UK's... Um, it was elementary and middle school in South Korea, so that's primary and the lower ends of high school uh, in the UK. So, um, so I was <laughs> teaching children essentially, and so I got to just, I was the fun teacher, I got to play games while learning and that sort of thing, so I'd get creative with my lesson plans and I'd have the kids sort of up and moving around and doing all sorts while we learn English. Um, so that, that maybe that had something to do with it as well, but in general, I am a fantasy lover. I love to read fantasy books and um, I love reading and um, fantasy movies, that sort of thing. So, and what I love um, about fantasy is it's sort of an escapism for a lot of people, but I think it goes way beyond sort of adventure as well. I think a lot of fantasy also sort of allows us to enter a world of contrasts and opposites and sort of goes beyond the familiar and so I think for me sort of the fantasy genre keeps my imagination going and you know every in, in a fantasy book everything is a wonder from a tree to wood to animals iron buildings everything is has the potential to be anything and be magical so I think I've always sort of throughout my life as a child and even as an adult as I read sort of kept that in mind that anything can be possible and everything can be magical if you want it to be. So I think it's sort of a mixture of a few things and that's sort of and I think I've just embraced it. Um, I think again uh, my personal journey that sort of I went through th during the pandemic um, a part of that was just sort of allowing myself to let go and just sort of let things be and just do what I wanted to do what felt right and I think we all get very uptight um, throughout adulthood of having to sort of the pressure of working and having to achieve things and we all think we we need to have a purpose in life so, you know, I need to do something great. I need to, you know, and I think I struggled with that for a few years of finding my place in the world. And I think that's, it's very difficult to sort of this, you know, how many billion of us on the planet and we all, we're all trying to find our, our purpose. What is it in my life that I, why am I here? What, what is it that I need to do? And I think learning to sort of let that go and understand that you're here to experience and so sort of when you sort of take on that idea instead, you just look at the world through wonder and, okay, even, you know, heading down to your local park can be an amazing experience if you allow it to be. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a few things. I don't know if there's one thing in particular. I think it's been a few years of building up various things and just allowing myself to, to have it really <laughs> that's lovely to hear though that you can almost piece these things together and and see certain moments or certain experiences and I think what really came through for me there is almost this shift in, in mindset like you say letting go of that almost 
the pressure and and this ideals I guess of life and just experiencing it it's such a beautiful thing that isn't it it's like I feel it's nice to feel we have some sort of purpose in the sense that we're doing something we love with our lives or we're spending our time doing what we love but really going to that sense of experience like you explained there is is so important just seeing every day every opportunity every interaction as an experience and and see what what comes of it so some beautiful wise words there to finish on Courtney thank you so much and for anybody who's resonated with you today and would like to connect with you further where can they where can they go to do so um I the best place is probably to head to my website which is www.courtneyvictoriaphotography.com and uh through there you can find my uh, links to my social media so youtube uh, you'll find me on youtube at Courtney Victoria and uh, I'd say I'm mostly on Instagram if you want to contact me um so either email or Instagram um, if you want to get in touch wonderful well thank you so much for your time today and I wish you all the best with both your YouTube and your photography moving forwards thank you thank you very much for having me Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. It really does mean the world to me. The Photographic Connections online community has now moved off of Facebook and onto the Mighty Networks platform. It's a fantastic platform that's really helping us to get closer as a community. We are always open to welcoming new members. So if you'd like to become a member of our lovely online community, you can find all the details at photographicconnections.com. And now that this podcast has come to an end, there's only one thing left for you to do. It's time to pick up your camera and head outdoors. There's so many incredible photographic opportunities just waiting for you to discover.